Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the 39th chapter of the book of Genesis. We have been in Genesis for quite a few months and we're coming to uh, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is, of course, is Joseph. We looked at Joseph last Sunday morning as he uh, is certainly a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to begin talking about something that is common to us all, and that is the word temptation. Temptation. Uh, no matter how young or how old, temptation comes to us. And how do we deal and handle temptation? I remember... Um, there on the TV, maybe you remember this, a public service commercial featured Iron Eyes Cody, the Indian. And if you'll remember that he was um, in a canoe riding down the river, and the commercial was about polluted waters, and there was a tear that was on his cheek. You made me remember that. Well, he gave a he gave a uh, an Indian legend one time and spoke about uh, how when the Indians were young boys that uh, they would go off into the wilderness and there they would begin to develop their manhood. Become a man. And he spoke about this one particular legend about how this one young man went into the wilderness. And there he experienced all that you can imagine there in that wilderness for, for two or three days. As he looked up, there was this huge mountain, snow-capped mountain. And he thought to himself, I would like to conquer that mountain. Surely that would demonstrate my manhood. And so he put on his buffalo coat and uh, began to move on up into those mountains. And after several days, as he was up on top of that mountain, he looked across it and he had conquered that mountain. Oh, he was very proud of himself. And about that time, he noticed and felt something at his feet. And it was a snake. He looked down at the snake, and lo and behold, the snake could talk. And the snake said, I'm cold and I'm hungry. Would you take me into your breast and... Warm me and take me down this mountain. The Indian boy says, well, I can't do that because I know what you are. You're a snake. And if I take you within my breast, he said, and take you down this mountain, you'll bite me. Oh, no, I won't ever do that. I won't bite you. He said, I will 
look at you as being someone very special, and I will not bite you. And after uh, a series of going back and forth, finally the young Indian boy, he picks up that snake, and he cradles him in his arms into his chest, and he makes his way back down those deep, deep mountains. As he's down there at the bottom of the mountain, he puts the snake down, and lo and behold, the snake calls and strikes him and bites him. And that young Indian boy said, you told me that you were not going to bite me. He said, but you knew what I was before you picked me up. I thought as I heard that story, isn't that just like Satan? Isn't that just like Satan? That he tempts us in a manner and in a way that to the point that it convinces us that it will never bite us. And yet there's story after story after story after story in the Bible that talks about temptation and talks about how temptation will bite us and will destroy us. Well, I don't know of a greater story in the Bible than the story of Joseph and the story of Potiphar's wife. Joseph is probably about 18, 19, 20 years old. A handsome young man. Good-looking guy. And there, there is this lady. And I say that loosely. She has her eyes upon Joseph. And she has an ambition that she wants Joseph. And over and over and over again, you'll find that she tempts Joseph to go and to lie with her. Take your Bibles. Let's look at this this story. Chapter 39. We're going to read the first 15 verses, but we're going to look at the entire chapter. So would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's word? Listen to what the Bible says. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master of the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight. Served him. Then he made him an overseer of his house And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was. From the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian house 
for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast long, longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in the house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me. But you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was. As she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed to her, to lie with her, or to be with her. But it happened about this time, when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lift, lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. We're going to stop there, but we're going to look at this whole entire chapter. It's an intriguing chapter. It is a chapter that will remind us of how powerful and enticing Satan is and how he wants to destroy us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for blessing us and reminding us of the powers and the tools of Satan. Help us to be men and women of God, to resist the temptations of the flesh and of the world. Help us, dear Lord. Put a hedge of protection around us that we might be godly men and women. And Father, forgive us of where we have failed you. Forgive us when we have yielded to the temptations. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. Now bless us now as you speak to us and through us in Jesus' name.
Thank you. You may be seated. Oscar Wilde, that British writer, he said this, I can resist anything but temptation. His life proved that as well. Heard about this uh, miserly old man. He uh, was uh, talking to his wife and she said, I'm going shopping. He said, well, you don't buy anything today. She said, I'm just going to go window shopping. Well, after a little while, she came back with a beautiful dress. She said, how do you like my dress? He said, I thought you said that you weren't going to buy that dress. She said, well, when I put it on, the devil said it looked awful beautiful on me. He said, well, why didn't you say, Satan, get thee behind me? He said, I did. And she, and he said, it looked just as good back here as well. <laughs> well, friend, temptation is a powerful thing, is it not? And as I began to look at this particular story, I can see and tell this story over and over and over and over again. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 40. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. And then I'm reminded in the Lord's prayer. You're reminded of what the Lord said. The Lord said, lead us not into temptation. And certainly the Lord would never lead us into temptation. But the flesh will, the world will, and Satan will. And friend, I want you to understand, temptation is real. Just because you're a believer does not mean that you're not going to be tempted. In fact, you may be tempted more as a believer than you were as a non-believer. Because Satan has an ambition to destroy you and destroy your testimony. I want you to listen to me very carefully this morning, especially I want our young people to listen to me very carefully. Temptation is real. You don't have to be a young teenager uh, to be tempted, but my friend, you can be just as tempted as an older person as well. I've got three things I want to share with you today. First of all, I want you to notice with me the presence of temptation, that it is common. It is common. I mean, you stop and you think about it. Every single one of us experienced temptation. Uh, None of us are immune, as I said earlier. Some are tempted in ways that we may not be tempted in other ways as you are, and you may be tempted in ways that are different than ways that I'm tempted. But we're all tempted. And and so the Bible reminds us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he says, There hath no temptation to you, but that what is such is common. Such as common. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, as he was on the face of this earth, was tempted. He was tempted in three different ways. And so, therefore, we recognize that it is a common event that happens in our life. It's common 
as you'll notice in verse 7, the common acquaintances of temptation. The common acquaintance of temptation. Look what it says. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. All of a sudden, Joseph, minding his own business, he's confronted. I believe, no doubt, Potiphar's wife was a beautiful lady. And I believe that she was very attractive. And that all of a sudden, you began to see where she begins to make a pass on Joseph. And the Bible says that here that her longing eyes was upon Jesus, Joseph. Joseph experienced something that we experience time after time after time, that temptation will knock upon our door. Now, I want to remind you something. Joseph was a spiritual man, but he was still a natural man. See, just because you're a spiritual person that you've had Christ to come into your life, that does not mean that you've lost that old nature. That old nature is just as alive and just as real. And when you least expect it, that old nature will rise to the occasion. And and the flesh knows what attracts. And the flesh knows what begins to appeal. And so therefore, you begin to notice here that the flesh was attracting Joseph's old nature. And so I believe that Joseph's temptation was very much, much real. And that temptation, no doubt, was very overpowering. So we're not immune, are we? When you least expect it, that temptation may arise. I mean, in fact, you go back and you begin to think about what happened to Adam and Eve. The very first thing that began to come to the downfall of mankind was temptation. Satan began to tempt them. And no doubt, as we recognize that they yielded to that temptation, and it brought a great fall to mankind. So it's common. It's a common acquaintance. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we never was tempted? I mean, sometimes uh, we think, man, it seems like everywhere I turn, I am being tempted. You turn on the TV, and the next thing you know, there is a scene that attracts the old flesh. Now, you didn't go out of your way to cause that, but at the same time, it attracted your flesh. And so, it may be a magazine. It may be a, a person. And, and, and you did not plan it, but there it is. So it's not only common, but I want you to notice that it's not only common approach, 
to temptation of acquaintance, but it was a common approach. Notice what he says in verse verses 1 through 6. It says, Now Jacob dwelled in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Now notice this. It says, This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flocks with his brothers, and the lad was with his sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report. In other words, you go all the way back to Joseph, you began to notice that God had a plan in his life. And that plan in his life was that he was going to become somebody very, very special. And yet, Satan had a plan, and that was to destroy what God wanted to do. So you'll notice there a special approach. Here is this lady. She is in the house, and there in the house, she has eyes upon Joseph has eyes upon Joseph. And the Bible says over and over and over again in chapter 39, verses 1 through 6 as well, it says, and God was with Joseph. And God was with Joseph. And so, and it seemed like that everywhere Joseph went, that God began to bless Joseph. He blessed Potiphar's household. And so out of success, there came temptation. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times that when you have mountaintops experiences that Satan is right on the end of that mountaintop experience wants to bring you down? Oh, may have a revival, and God just stirs your heart, and all of a sudden, you're on fire for the Lord. And then the next thing you know, temptation. Temptation. And if you're not careful, you find that you went up like a rocket, and you come down like a rock, falling to temptation. So the approach of this temptation, as we began to realize that he was tempted by the flesh, and he was approached by this woman. Now, go a step further with me. The Bible reminds us that in uh, not only that he was successful when temptation came, but it came in secrecy. The Bible says in chapter 39, verse 11, but it happened about this time that when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the other men of the house was inside. Satan knows that you will do things in private that you would not do in public. Why? I could do this and nobody will know anything about it. I could lie with this woman and nobody will know anything about it. I can flirt with this person and nobody will know anything about it. I can get at home in my own room and turn on my 
a computer and and watch porno movies and nobody will know anything about it. I mean, after all, it's not hurting anybody else, is it? I mean, after all, it's my business. It's amazing what individuals will do in secrecy that they would not do in public. And that's exactly what Satan will whisper in your ear. Nobody will know anything about it. It's common in acquaintance. We all are acquainted with temptation. It's common in the approach. We all are approached in the like manner. But also, it is common with the aim of temptation. God was blessing Joseph's life. And what did Satan want to do? He wanted to rob him from those blessings. He wanted to ruin his testimony. He wanted to destroy Joseph. God had a plan and a purpose that one day that Joseph was going to become the second highest ranking official there in Egypt. God has a plan in your life. God has a purpose in your life. You have a testimony. A testimony that takes a lifetime to build, but only one moment to destroy. I've talked to pastors who have fallen immorally. And it's amazing of all the accomplishments that they have accumulated in their life. And then one moral failure, one moral failure destroys all that. And when I think of those guys today, I don't think of their accomplishments, but I think of that one moral failure. Satan had won the victory. Satan had defeated that one. But let's go a step further. Not only the presence of the temptation is common, but the pressures of temptation is continual. The pressures of temptation is continual. Temptation is a daily battle. It's something that we deal with every day. It's a lifelong battle. Temptation was hurled at Joseph in a threefold manner. First of all, we see that temptation that was incited. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. In other words, Potiphar's wife was attracted to Joseph. She had watched him. But she had watched him with lustful eyes. The phrase there, cast her longing eyes on Joseph, means that there was a burning desire to have him. It's amazing how powerful women can be sometimes, men. It is amazing 
the temptations that can come through just a word from a lady, just a touch, just the smell of her perfume, of how it incites the flesh. Physical attraction is a familiar tool to temptation. James chapter 4, or James chapter 1, verse 14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. That word enticed is an interesting word. It is a fisherman's term. You've heard me speak about it before. It is a fisherman's term. It is what a fisherman does. He puts a lure. He puts a piece of bait. And there at the end of the line, there he begins to drop it in the water where the fish is at. And the fish is so snug and so secure. And all of a sudden he sees that lure and he sees that that bait And what does he do? He lunges. He is enticed. The temptation is overwhelming. And he lunges for it and doesn't realize that in the midst of that bait and in the midst of that lure is a hook. And then all of a sudden, it grabs him and he's out of control. I wonder that's why they call prostitutes hookers. They hook you. And my friend, it not only incites, it intenses. Genesis chapter 39 Verses 11 and 12 says, But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she called him by his garment. That word called means to seize violently. And she says, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Temptation can come about with a passing thought. Temptation can come at hand with coming in contact with a person of the opposite sex. And next thing you know, you can't get that person out of your mind. And you think about that person. And you think about that person. And the next thing you know, there's an overwhelming desire of wanting to be with that person. Many, many adulterous affairs starts out that way just as a small little gesture. How many a men, how many a women have found themselves in an adulterous affair? And it all started out with just a small little word, a small little gesture. And it intensifies. 
but not only intensifies. I think about what F.B. Meyer said. He said, resist the very first tiny reel of temptation lest it widens a breach big enough to admit the ocean. Mm. Temptation becomes more than a personal fact. It becomes a powerful force that pulls away and it begins to intensify. But it's also not only intensifies, but it's incessant. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 39 verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. Her proposition was not one time, but it was over and over and over and over and over again. Her eyes followed him everywhere he went and she seized the opportunity to tempt him and to entice him. My friend, the best thing to do is make sure that you never get in those kinds of places. That you guard yourself against ever being put in a position where the flesh will override you. I hear a lot of people say, well, you'll never catch me in something like that. The flesh is powerful, friend. And he's very strong. Someone said, one drop of water will not wear away the rock, but repeated drops will. Since the battle is daily, you have to guard yourself daily. Since it's daily, you have to be aware of the fact of temptation. So we've talked about that the pressure of temptation... Is continual. And that is common. But I want you to see closing as you begin to look at this passage of Scripture of how it can be conquered. I am so grateful that Joseph gave a perfect example of how to guard yourself. And what to do when temptation comes. Mark Anthony was once known as the silver-throated orator of Rome. He was well known as a brilliant statesman. Magnificent in battle. Courageous and strong. In fact, some said that he could conquer the world. One of his tutors said this because of his immoral life. He said, oh, Marcus, oh, colossal child, you're able to conquer the world, but unable to resist temptation. And because of his immorality and lack of resisting temptation, 
he never became the man that he could have become. Joseph teaches us how to deal with temptation. How do I deal with temptation? Well, first of all, you'll notice that how he answered her proposition. He says in verse 7 and following, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife casting longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with, with me in the house. He has committed all that he has in my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor I, he kept back anything from me, but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? The word refuse means utterly refuse. He refused it because it was morally wrong. He knew that this was another man's wife. And therefore, he knew that was wrong. But he refused it not only because it was morally wrong, but he refused because it was spiritually wrong. He said, I cannot do this sin against God. See, Potiphar may never would have found out about this little episode, but I want you to know there was one that Wood would have found out. And that was God. My friend, I don't care where you go, you can't hide from God. You may hide from your mate, you may hide from your children, you may hide from your pastor, but friend, you will never, ever, ever be able to hide from God. He sees the things in those dark, places and so Joseph said it's morally wrong it's spiritually wrong and so therefore friend he says I will not do it I'm reminded of what Psalmist David said in Psalms 51 verse 4 He says, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. I'm reminded of what Mark Twain said. There are several good protections against temptation, but the surest is cowardice. It is easier to stay out than to get out. Then Spurgeon great preacher said, learn to say no. It will be more use than to be able to read Latin. That is the truth. Be of more use than to be able to read Latin. Not only the way he answered her proposition, but notice how he avoided her presence. The Bible says in chapter 39, verse 10, So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her, to be with her. Joseph kept refusing her proposition. And what did he do? He tried to stay away from her. Joseph was a man just like you and I. That temptation was very strong. I I don't think Joseph was so spiritual that he says, well, Mrs. Potiphar, let's get down on our knees and let's pray about this thing. 
He didn't do that. But the Bible says he avoided her. If you know there's places and individuals that brings temptation, you need to avoid that and that person like a plague, my friend. Get away from it. You need to put up standards, roadblocks in your life. You've heard me say this before, but I will say it again. Very young in the ministry, there was a pastor that advised me and told me how important it was for me to be very careful with other women. And so I looked at Billy Graham's life and I began to see that he set up certain standards in his life of what he would do and what he would not do. He would not go out for lunch with his secretary alone. He would not counsel women in his office alone. He would not go to their homes alone. He would not ride in an automobile alone with another woman. You say, well, you think you or him, uh, you're that easy to temptation? I don't want to put myself in the, in the place of temptation. That's what the whole point is, is that I want to avoid it like a plague and not put myself in a position of where I cannot override my flesh. And if you know of something or someone that is tempting you, you need to avoid it. Take that computer. Put a filter on that computer. Get someone that will be a person that will help you to make yourself accountable. Don't go to certain places that you know that's going to bring about temptation. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 15 says, Do not enter in the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Then there's one last thing he did. He averted her pressure. The Bible says in Genesis 39, or excuse me, Genesis 29 and 39 verse 12, she called him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, fled and ran outside. The best thing that you can do with temptation is run the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee from temptation. Run like a scared rabbit. I mean, after all, you don't bring gunpowder around fire, do you? There are certain things you just don't do. You try to protect yourself. You try to protect your life and protect your testimony. 
Heard about a guy one time. He was out shopping with his wife. And as he was out shopping with his wife, there was this beautiful lady that walked by and she had on this very tight dress. And boy, his eyes began to look at her. And boy, he began to sum her up. And lo and behold, he didn't realize that his wife was watching him. And then all of a sudden, his wife looked at him and she says, was it worth it? to be in the trouble that you're in now? (laughs) That's what you have to ask. Is it worth it? Very, very simple, very plain, but yet very direct. Is it worth it to be in the trouble that you're in right now? I guarantee you every adulteress Affair, an adulterer would would have to say, when it was all said and done, it was not worth it. Many a man have lost their children and their household because of temptation. Many a woman have lost so much because of temptation. Flee, run as fast as you can. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us, dear Lord. Guard us from the affairs of this world. Keep us from ever bringing reproach against the name of Christ. Keep us from bringing reproach against our families, our wives and our husbands and our children and our grandchildren. Help us, dear Lord, that we may stay pure. Lord, I may be speaking to someone here today And right now, they are wrestling with temptation. And they're about on the verge of making a bad decision. God, I pray that today will warn them in such a manner that it would scare them away from that temptation. There might be some that have yielded to that temptation. Lord, you have promised that if we'll confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your cleansing. Thank you for your grace. But even though your grace is sufficient, that it forgives us, that it certainly can leave a mark upon our lives that will never be erased. So, Lord, help us to stay pure. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought about this when I was preaching, when I was planning and preparing this message.
And I've thought about what God had given to me. My wife of 47 plus years. I've thought about my children. I've thought about my grandchildren. I've thought about you. And I thought, how easy it is just like that to make a mistake and lose it all. I don't say this half-heartedly. But I believe I'd rather die than bring reproach against my family and against my church. Does that not mean that I'm not tempted? Absolutely I am. Oh God, I pray every day He put a hedge of protection around me that I will not yield to the temptations of this world. Would you be willing to pray that prayer today? I encourage you to do that.